0: Thank you for downloading from Digital Mindfulness. This is episode number 40. Hello and welcome to the show. My guest today is the founder and director of Unplugged.ie, Chris Flack. Based in Dublin, Chris is also known as a suited yogi. He spent 15 years working in corporate sales and now, amongst other things, runs the Corporate Wellness Summit and Unplugged.ie, the Irish organisation that teaches busy professionals how to manage technology rather than it managing them. Their retreats for executives and children provide a welcome chance for people to rejuvenate and live better in their digitised lives. I hope you enjoy this episode with Chris Flack. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on to Digital Mindfulness. It's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today.
1: Thanks, Lawrence. I'm delighted to be here.
0: (laughs) So, Chris, I'm wondering if you can start just by letting us know a bit more about yourself. How did you come to be involved in, indeed, creating Unplugged.ie? And just in general, how did you come to be working in this whole space of um, technology and mindfulness?
1: Sure. Okay. Well, just to give you a bit of background on myself and really where this stemmed from. So I worked in corporate sales and IT, so tech sales, for about 15 years, both here in Dublin, Ireland and in the UK. Um, and although I was doing very well in my career, I think my main occupation was being busy. Um, I loved having you know, multiple tech with me, so different mobile phones and landlines and everything. I was very hungry for information all the time. I ended up as a result being clinically depressed um, and meditation is what turned things around for me. So since then, I've been working in the not-for-profit sector, primarily within the well-being space. Um, I also now teach yoga and meditation. I run a small music festival here in Dublin and then last year, so back in 2015, in the summer, we set up Unplug um, to help people basically unplug in a disruptive culture Um, and the way we really looked at it is we, we took the best of Eastern practice, so the likes of yoga and meditation. Um, we complement it with science, so we have psychologists, neuroscience experts on the team to make it evidence-based, and then we deliver in a very simple language, hence Unplug. Um, and in doing that, you know our goal is to help people have a better relationship with tech and so find more calm, happiness, and increase their productivity in their lives. So you mentioned there are a couple of things um, as far as what we do um, with Unplug. You mentioned Unplug for Kids. So just to um, give you a bit of background on that, our main focus at the moment is very much public retreats and corporate. Um, the Unplug for Kids has really stemmed up in the last couple of months just from the demand we're getting from parents. So even when we go in and do corporate programs, afterwards, a lot of the Q&A is about, look, how can I deal with this? As a parent. So that's something that we're we're developing at the moment. No one on the team is actually a parent, so we're very conscious to make sure that we get the right people involved. So in the last couple of months, I've been working with child psychologists and experts over in, in the US who have focused on this for longer than we have, really, um, on the child addiction and technology use side of things. And we're developing a program and have a festival that's rolling out in July. So exciting times.
0: That that does sound really, really exciting and, and I love like I was saying before, I just love the idea of um having this retreat for kids to help them unplug. Um but I'm wondering, Chris, isn't unplug, isn't unplugging, isn't that just another word for digital detoxing?
1: Yeah, you've you've caught me on my um Achilles heel there, Lawrence, because that's that's a phrase that we originally we were kind of looking to be associated with as far as um we, we love the concept of people switching off for a certain amount of time, but that phrase itself for me doesn't necessarily work because it's suggesting that digital sort of suggesting that technology is a bad thing, just using the word detox. And then it also has a, an association with diet, which often don't work. So we originally, so last summer, we would have called ourselves a sustainable digital detox because we were very much into the focus of goal setting. So Um, We work very much with kind of a cognitive behavioral therapy, focus on goal setting and making sure that it's a sticky, habitual changing type program. Um, But it was for us something that I guess was quite trendy at the time. I've been to a lot of digital detoxes myself. I didn't really think they worked, but I did like the fact that it was getting a lot of media attention And that was a lesson we learned ourselves, because even when we first started up last year, we were getting loads of headlines using words like addiction, detox, um, anxiety, stress, all these things. But it didn't necessarily get people involved, you know, it was getting the journalists involved because they loved hearing these things. But now we talk about a lot more positive things. So deep work, you know, the Cal Newport concept and increasing productivity and focus training and working with people's essentially bringing happiness and calm to people that is working that is what we're finding really gets people listening as opposed to saying phrases like digital detox
0: so um so with um um with your programs and obviously with the research that you've been doing speaking to experts from all of these disciplines what Mm. are some of the benefits that people have reported from unplugging with you
1: um, time, I think, is probably the biggest thing. You know, it's, it's such a, a rare commodity these days, time and attention. And, yeah, we've had – so from our programs we started in October, we've had a couple of people who've come back to us um, beginning of this year just saying that just in their own social etiquette they've changed certain things and they're just finding that their life is more calm, there's a, a more empathy and, and a, better, a better degree of happiness and productivity at work is up as well. So it's – one thing we've noticed is it's different for – every person so you know we've from a let's say a meditation and mindfulness practice point of view the team has expertise in so yoga and meditation um search inside yourself training mindfulness based stress reduction we've covered all these courses and we kind of we pick the best and we repackage them in very accessible ways so me for example i'm a huge fan of pranayama which is yogic breath control but i'd never call it pranayama in this environment i call it breath to beat and it's very simple breathing exercises but to a really funky beat and that is a lot more sticky than me going into a room and talking about stuff in sanskrit language so i think the language is is key but yeah time and attention are the the key benefits we found
0: so i love the concept as i was saying before behind um, your two organizations or the the two um, programs that you have I'm interested because people themselves have to unplug what happens do you think a lot of it for example given your history do you think a lot of it is to do with company culture do companies have a role do you think to change in changing their culture in addition to people taking responsibility for themselves by unplugging
1: yeah, I, I think they do. And just one thing to to get back to, as far as the name "unplug." So, although we encourage people to switch off, we don't say switch your phone off. That's not all. We we kind of teach people to do to put their phone away. We teach people how to engage with their phones better. Um, but the, the one thing, when you're talking about company culture, and my own example, so I worked for a number of very large IT services companies, um, and I think a big part of my life, I you know, I, I was based in a buzzing city. I had a lot of friends, but at the bottom of it, I was lonely, you know, so that's why I craved the noise of technology and the noise of busyness of work. And uh, it was kind of filling a gap. And that, that, I guess, at the time was my addiction. And I think it's, it's taken a while, but because I now work within the well-being space and specifically in, in well-being at work and with the corporates, people are starting to look up and pay attention to mental health, but they're not paying attention to mental health labeled as mental health. They're paying attention to it when it starts to affect productivity. Um, And that's why I think something like technology, in a way, the fact that it's growing at such a pace and, you know, we are all suffering from information overload is a little bit of a kind of it's the the mechanism to encourage people to look at mindfulness, because if we think of that noise as being one of the key mechanisms for distraction, the world of meditation, mindfulness is all about focus and calm and stillness. So not that that's as simple as it sounds, but packaged in the right way and personalised, it's a solution.
0: And what about with, um, we've been talking a lot about professionals, but what about children? Um, Because I'm I'm really, really interested in this because um, especially as you're very focused on helping children, improve their relationship with their digital devices and their digital um, experiences so um, is the approach that you would take with children is that very different to the approach that you would take with a busy professional or is it kind of the same thing
1: yeah no we'd we use a totally different language I mean even with our public retreats we use a different language to the corporate world um, our public retreats have a lot more um, let's say, fun versions of yoga and meditation. Not that yoga meditation isn't fun, but you know we tend to do things like yoga raves and breath to beat, um, meditation. Um, but with the kids, it's taking it even further. And, and and also, the I think it's important who delivers it to them. Because you can go in there and I myself, I'm 40 years old, and I have a beard. So I probably just look like a teacher to them. Whereas if they have somebody who's either a role model, so say, for example, um, a sports ambassador, we work with a number of well-known sports stars here in Ireland who are involved with the project and love the project and are helping us talk to people in schools and, and colleges or uh, appear, such as somebody of a similar age to them. So we work with quite a few very successful coders who are teenagers. So there's a guy here, for example, called Harry McCann, who's 17 years of age, but he's a tech entrepreneur, an incredibly successful guy. He runs the Global Digital Youth Council, And he is somebody who his whole life is driven by technology, and he's doing very well, but he's also conscious and aware. And those two words are something that majority of us are struggling with. You know, we kind of just block it out thinking, well, look, this is a social norm, so surely it's fine. And that's the first stepping stone, just becoming conscious and aware. And to talk to kids, we need people like sports ambassadors, potentially celebrities as well, and then the likes of their peers so people like harry mccann
0: what reached you chris would you say when um when you decided that you know okay i need to do something about my lifestyle was it was it the illness was it that that spoke to you or were you aware that you were perhaps um um, that you needed to recalibrate your relationship to the digital world before that
1: Yeah, I think it took a while to join the dots. For me, meditation was something that i had been practicing since 2005, so just over 10 years now, and i had done some very extreme retreats. You know, I've been on long, silent retreats. I've lived in India for a year and a half. I've done some very extreme, let's say, the monastic path and, and really developed some core skills there. But I think what really struck me was when I came back from India, I saw how inaccessible such a fantastic toolkit was. Um, and that was it was a, pretty much at the same point that my depression was you know, recognized by the, the health service here. And I was put on meds for a time. And it, it was funny because the way I actually then turned it around with meditation was um, I took meditation even deeper. Um, and I think I, I said this to you recently, um, Lawrence, which is the F.U.C.K. therapy. Which really kind of taught me, uh, very simply, again, back to language, just to let go. You know, I'd been doing these incredibly deep and therapeutic um, meditations, you know, silent retreats for 10 days and often the Himalayas doing various things. But then they weren't sustainable. You know, I was going back into that busy mind. So when I listened to language that made sense to me, which was the, um, we can say it with the Irish phrase, so feck it. Um, Therapy um, that really sunk in, and it was just you know joining the dots to me. You know, even from a, a Buddhist point of view, instead of being attached to things, just let that shit go. And all of a sudden, I started meditating every day instead of just doing it for 10 days. I gave myself the challenge of meditating for 30 days in a row. I actually reviewed the top 10 mindfulness apps um, for the Elephant Journal, and that was my goal to get. A an article published and do the the review, um, do that challenge. And then all of a sudden after 30 days, something just clicked. Um, But at the same time, although I then started to see the benefits and that's nearly two years ago now, um, I still was slightly confused as to why it wasn't accessible to the rest of us. Because to me, I've got to the stage now where I'm like, you know what, meditation is like a superhero power. It's fantastic. But I think in its current form, um it's still a very limited audience who are interested in it. Um and it's only through the likes of meditation apps like budify like Headspace, like Andrew Johnson, that it's starting to reach a more mainstream audience. And that's all about just packaging patching it slightly differently. Because it's still the same thing.
0: So I mean when we spoke about this, I didn't know what um The F meditation was and I was wondering can you tell us a bit more what that actually is because Uh, I'm sure a lot of people don't know
1: you're gonna get me into a lot of trouble here (laughs) because I live in in Dublin Ireland and we swear a lot here um in a a very in a very innocent way um so it's essentially it's a very humorous um meditation and it, it just tells you to let go of um everything but using very quite vulgar language but it's, it's innocent in that you know, the, the objective is really just to make sure that you are just letting go. Because I think that's one of the hardest things with meditation and mindfulness. I, uh, I, I always used to see it as a challenge and very competitive and why am I not meditating better? Why is this not working for me? And as soon as you don't give a shit, it all starts to click together. Now, mm. it's easier said than done. But a very simple analogy is if you think of when you're going to sleep, um, if you think about going to sleep, you can't go to sleep. But if you let go and don't think about it, chances are you'll go to sleep. Now, some of the audience might have difficulty sleeping, but you can guarantee every single one in the audience has had a period in their life when they've been able to sleep. If they can do that, then they can meditate. Um, but then it comes back to the language of what we call it meditation, would we call it mindfulness, would we call it contemplation, would we call it unplugging. Um but yeah it should be a simple thing but i think because it still has that air of mysticism around it it often puts people off.
0: Do you think that that hurts it? Do you think that air of um spirituality, mysticism, do you think that's perhaps one of the reasons why it hasn't been i don't know considered more seriously? Um, particularly in corporate environments as a, as a way to help people deal with um, say digital um, um, distractions or um, indeed employee well-being.
1: Yeah, I think um, there is a bit of a revolution at the moment, you know, you've had a lot of speakers on talking about this and I've really enjoyed the interviews specifically where they're talking about the the research that's now being done. And I know Rohan from Budify mentioned that hockey stick, um, as far as the when you're looking at the time versus the amount of research that's been done on meditation, the amount of scientific studies, you know, it really has spiked in the last decade. Um, I think what hasn't really happened yet is that corporates haven't joined the dots between um, distraction of technology and mindfulness being a solution. That's something that's gradually happening. We're, we're starting to see it happen here, but it's... Um, Again, it's down to language. You know, it's talking about attention retention and deep work and productivity, Um, whereas quite often things like mindfulness are still in the realms of HR, um, and that comes under a a well-being umbrella, which is more about the likes of mental health. Which absolutely this is, um, but it's a harder one to talk about because not everyone in the audience, sorry, not everyone in the in, in the corporate world wants to talk about or admit to talking about mental health, whereas most of them want to talk about happiness and calm and um, productivity.
0: There is, I mean, again, you're, you're an entrepreneur in this space and um, you've mentioned it, so that I guess the question is a little bit redundant, but I'm wondering if you can just expand on it a little bit in that we do have this language problem, don't we, in terms of how to frame this? Because you're right, mindfulness can be for um, mental health treatment and therapy, etc. But then also, like you were saying, with regards to well-being and whatever else, and they're, they're two very different um, audience types that you're going for, even within the same organization.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of, I don't want to be too subjective on this, but I, I've shared my story with so many people who have said they've been through pretty much the same as me. And, you know, I mean, meditation saved my life. There's no doubt about that. Um, And I am in such a positive place now. It's incredible. As I said, it's really, it's like I've got superhero powers. It's really um, a very special thing for me. But I think for a lot of people in the corporate, they don't have necessarily the spiritual path that I fortunately had. Um, So for them, when they hear of things like mental health, although they might be struggling with things like anxiety and stress, it's just daily life. You know, and distraction and the noise of technology is making that worse. But it's kind of it's accepted. It's just daily life. So I think back to the language. If you go in and you're talking about something that's really focusing on the positive, then they might listen and they might realise. Well, actually, do you know what? I might have had some mental health issues, but it's great because this is turning things around for me. And I guess just using myself and as exa- Sorry, using myself as an example. I have a very solid meditation practice. But for us, a lot of what we're trying to do is really small changes. You know, what what we encourage people to do is really simple stuff, but hard to practice. So to get that habitual change, you need to make small changes. And just as an example, and loads of people do this, we didn't invent this, but really simple thing we do in our breaks is we encourage everybody to go and get a mug and just hug the mug. And just that 10 seconds of presence makes such a change and all of a sudden it's bringing people back to that moment if they come back to that moment more every day they develop focus so distraction changes but they're also developing calm so there's less of a chance of the likes of anxiety and stress and potentially sleep deprivation actually evolving.
0: Gosh I love that. um, We've been talking a lot about meditation um, and mindfulness and I'm wondering does was it just, was it these two elements, were they the main things that you would say that, um, that helped you get to this positive place? Or would you say, were, were, there, were there other things um, that, helped you, that helped you get there?
1: Um, there were definitely other things. I mean, there's some really simple pillars in life um, as far as nature, nutrition, um, sleep relationships, uh, and then the, your physical, physical health as far as exercise. Um, so it's having a balance of, of all of those. And that's why I think we try to focus on what we do as tech life balance. You know, we, we very much focus on it being a balance. You know, we're not saying technology is bad. We're not saying it's good. We just need to work out a better way of using it. Um, just one other thing that just, just came to mind as far as kind of the reasoning behind this, um, as far as the Unplug program. Just when, we, when I mentioned at the beginning, I, I run a small music festival here and we've had up to 800 people, it's a morning rave um, in Dublin, monthly event, and one of the things that really started to strike me about a year ago was how many people weren't living the moment, you know, they were all living it through their phones, and I'd be up on stage thinking, this is great, I'm up on here with big name DJs and MCs, look at me, I'm so cool, and I'd be looking down at the audience and thinking, well hang on, why are we not all living this? We're kind of just sharing it. Um, so that really, that that got me thinking as well, you know, it's just another another way of joining the dots, and then just back to when you mentioned some of the other things that have helped me. So one of the things we do with Unplug is actually we have tech partners. And there are some things that have helped me. So the likes of Flipped, the app, which changes a smartphone into a dumb phone. The likes of Freedom, which is a product I know you've talked about before, which encourages you to schedule when you use certain websites, which might be seen as disruptive to you. And then very, very clever technologies like the light phone, which essentially is a very cool hipster dumb phone. Um, and then Vinaya technology, which is notification jewelry, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of those apps I've mentioned there, and I also use Butterfly and Headspace uh, and Andrew Johnson, but there's a lot of things. It's not as simple as I guess, just meditation or just yoga. There's, there's a lot going on. And, and I think that's one thing we try to, um, where we can spend time with individuals because just to, to push a product or service out there thinking that it will solve everyone's problem is very naive. You know, uh, I'm lucky to have um, psychologists and, and CBT therapists and neuroscience experts on the team who, you know, they really back this up as far as what works and what doesn't. Um, and we, we try to personalize what we're doing as much as possible because otherwise people come along and it, it just doesn't stick. Um, and then just back to the, the kind of the rewiring of the brain and the habit formation We try to make it as fun as possible as well. You know, we we very much encourage reward. Um, So say, for example, on our retreats, we have a, a social media corner, but it's all offline. So we have what's called a humans of here wall, which is very similar to humans of New York or we have humans of Dublin here. But we have instant photos of everyone. And most of the people who come on our retreats are missing social media. But with the instant photos up on the wall, they're able to comment and actually do live social media there in the room, offline. And that's a reward, you know, just kind of reinforcing something positive, which will then hopefully develop into a a habit. That doesn't mean everyone will have a human to fear wall in their room, but um, you know, it's just another alternative to seeing what life without Facebook can be like. But then we also know if we didn't have these social media platforms, then half of my businesses wouldn't exist, half of my friends' network wouldn't exist. So back to that magic word, balance.
0: Mm would would you say chris that um that everything we've just been talking about now um particularly that that ability to focus and to apply mindfulness to our everyday lives there are some people that i know that i've spoken to who believe that this is just oh this is just a nice quirky little thing to have and it might be part of i don't know an employee well-being program or it might be part of the school routine but um you know whatever it's just a nice thing to have but would you say it's more than that would you say that it's a going to be really important for people's not only their professional lives but their personal lives going forward and the digital noise increases
1: yeah um i again i think it's just down to language because before the likes of mindfulness was coming up it has been a very positive thing from Medical research. There was a lot of sports psychology in, you know, focusing on people getting into the zone and being present. Um, so we've known for years. I mean, obviously the the rishis and the yogis knew about this long before us. But um, it's it's just getting it, that language out to people where we're we kind of taking away the the mystic side, which still potentially makes people think of mystic meg you know um it has to have that that business stamp of approval and it's happening but it's just very slow you know i mean the fact that google have their own mindfulness program search inside yourself which is fantastic that's a huge stamp of approval but it's taking time it's a complete change in our culture because we it's where we came from naturally being still being silent But now in the the modern world full of noise and distraction, it's completely alien to us, you know? So for me, in my heyday of Mr. Corporate busyness, um, so 10 years ago, I could never have imagined being silent for more than a couple of minutes. Whereas now, that is a luxury I long for. I love silent retreats. That's an extreme, right? That's what I do. But it's finding that balance in between. And it does work.
0: Brilliant. Um, Chris where can people find out more about you your programs and um, and about your work in general
1: so you can go to the web and search under sorry type in www.unplughq.com um, we have the same twitter handle and the facebook name uh, or you can find me under my own personal handle which is suited yogi
0: Suited yogi, brilliant. Okay, well, and, and I'm going to make links to, um, to all of this and especially the, the F meditation that you were <laughs> speaking about. It's brilliant. But, um, but Chris Flack, thank you so much for spending time with us this afternoon. And I really, really appreciate your time.